This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All the frustration and disappointment of the past is gone. The 45-year drought is over. The Los Angeles Kings are indeed the Kings of the National Hockey League. They are the 2012 Stanley Cup champions. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another post-game live here on Dime Dropper for the 2023 Oh, shit. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another post-game live here on Dime Dropper for the 2023-24 season. Live from Los Angeles, as always. Before we get started, you already know the deal. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube. Hit the notification bell so you know every single time I go live or post a video. And subscribe to Locked On Clippers on YouTube is my other channel. Working for the Locked On Network five days a week, LA Clippers. And if you're a basketball fan, subscribe. Or you can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And of course, follow your boy on social media at Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod. Now, Yes, your boy is clean-shaven as hell. I look like I am fresh out of high school right now, but it makes my skin feel clean, man. I don't know. Everybody always says you should trim that thing. I'm like, I understand it looks better with the trim. I look way too young for the clean-shaven, but I like how clean it makes my skin feel. You know, I'm big on clean, big on hygiene. So happy holidays to everybody. We'll get into some Thanksgiving stuff at the end, but we got two games of LA basketball to talk about. And before we talk about them, people on Twitter, 20 people, please do me a favor, please, please. I appreciate it so much. If you would kindly exit that video you're on on Twitter and go underneath to the link right below your tweet that you're watching, because I do not make any money off Twitter. It's kind of a waste for me putting my live on Twitter. So come to YouTube and get with the crowd. Thank you so much. Anyway, let's get to it. So, Clippers, Spurs, Lakers, Mavs. Two great games to talk about. Let's talk about the Clippers first because, yeah, I'm a Clipper fan, so suck it. Anyway, uh, Clippers and Spurs. Second game of a home and home. We're playing against the Spurs for the final time this season, and we've already played them three times in the first 13 games. And... It would be the third straight win. The third win in a row. 3-0 and since we made the change in the starting lineup to put Russell Westbrook on the bench. And, of course, start 13 strip with Jay Harden, who's starting to really ingratiate himself and integrate himself into the team as the starting point guard. So, let's talk about how this game went. It was not as comfortable as the one on Monday night. Because a couple of things, Spurs just played a lot better. And one of the reasons they played better was they got Devin Vassell back. And I talked about in the last episode how they are not beating anyone without Devin Vassell unless Wemby just is hitting his jumpers. So to start the game, I thought the Clippers, you know, there's been a lot made of the fact that they're top five right now in the league in half court defense and half court offense. That's, you know, first of all, the sample size isn't that big. Secondly, I don't, the half-court offense, actually, I think is sustainable for sure. I mean, we got three stars in the starting lineup. But defensively, I like how we say half-court because in transition, we're dog shit. I'm going to talk about that uh, as the episode <laughs> goes on. But, and teams know they want to run on us. Uh, and the Lakers are the same way. And the ex- same happened tonight. Because the, the Clipper and Laker cores are on the old injury-prone side. There's be some younger teams in this league now. 
And it's starting to seem like the shift is coming. The young players. But when you Kawhi, Paul George, LeBron, AD still look so good. And then they have experience. It's it's tough. You know, at the end of the day, a team like Denver, I still think when healthy is the best team in the league. So, and a team like Boston, Milwaukee, they've, they've got a mix of prime, like peak superstars. Like Giannis, you know, Jokic on the Denver side. Celtics got Tatum, who's, you know, right approaching his prime and is had his eventful young years. So it's it's shifting in this direction. And Luka Doncic is one of those guys. But the Clippers, thankfully, didn't have to deal with any of those guys. So we start out the game. I thought our pressure defensively was really good. Mainly our ball pressure with Terrence Mann on Jeremy Sohan. And then Kawhi on Wemby. I thought Paul George would guard Sohan, to be honest. Just because Keldon Johnson would probably try to be involved in more pick and rolls, I figured. So Terrence Mann being the guy that wants to work harder on defense than we and we want to work harder on defense would be guarding Keldon. But I understand now, you know, Jeremy Sohan is pretty athletic and they end up running a lot of stuff through him anyway. So Terrence on him was fine and he locked him up. He locked him up. Forcing turnovers, blocking him. But offensively for the Clips, and Kawhi, by the way, on Wemby, really solid job, very physical. And the Clippers are going to switch two through four on that. Uh, I don't remember us having a situation where Harden was guarding Wemby in the first half. Rotations are different where he's rotating under the basket and Wemby's skying over him. That's different. But switching James Harden onto Wemby, I don't remember that at all. Kawhi, Terrence, and Paul George all took their cracks, but Kawhi was the primary defender to start on him. And very good. I mean, pushing away from the basket, making life tough. But offensively for the Clips, it was not going smoothly in the beginning. Bad reads and pick and roll. And you know what? I was watching the game, and I'm looking at James Harden and uh, Kawhi Leonard, and they're throwing the ball away on the pick and rolls. And when I'm watching them, I'm seeing, I'm you know, I always, when I'm analyzing the game and watching on TV and I see plays happening and pick and rolls happening, I obviously know where the read is going or what the right read is because I am I get to watch it on the screen. You know what I'm saying? If you put that same player that's doing it on the TV watching their tape, they know their mistakes as well. It's just so hard in the moment. That's what basketball is, and they got, they're got playing at the highest level. So obviously it's always easy to say things from the couch. But the the reads were not as easy to make. I was looking at some of the pick and rolls and I'm like, man, where, where are we going with this? Because the Spurs just tightened up their defensive intensity. They actually tried to win a game tonight. And it was definitely affecting the Clippers a bit. Too many turnovers throughout the game, but five turnovers in the first, despite shooting well. And I thought Kawhi, his defense was really good, as I mentioned, but he was also being aggressive offensively, working off the catch, working, coming off screens, and just looking to get shots up there. And that's one thing you've seen him do so much more throughout the game and just more in the flow of the game since we made the change. And that was not rocket science to anyone. The main reason I thought that starting four was just garbage is because it had no chance of working is because you got guys like Kawhi Leonard not looking to be as aggressive to accommodate these other guys. Not a fan. So happy to see what hap- what's happening with Kawhi since. And you look... The beginning of the game, the Spurs could not hit anything. Keldon Johnson couldn't hit anything. They were like one for nine to start the game. Wemby wasn't doing shit. Everybody was being physical with Wemby. And that's a league-wide scouting report right now. Be physical with Wemby. (laughs) So nothing the Clippers are doing. But Terrence Mann, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, these guys are all holding their own. you got to give them credit for it. 
James Harden in the first quarter thought he had a couple of that had that nice move on Wemby. A lot of dribbles for my liking, literally twenty plus, twenty plus to ISO. But he did create the shot and he did create the bucket. So two points is two points. You know I don't believe in that shit though. <laughs> but it is what it is. It was still nice. He still mixed him, but you know, stop wasting so many dribbles, brother. Kawhi's defense. Uh, I already mentioned that. A couple of solid passes from James Harden, as you'd expect. Good entry passes, finding guys off of screens, pick and roll. And you know who I thought was really solid in this game and has been solid for about three games in a row now is if it's the Zubats. And the way the Clippers got him going in this game was early. First possession of the game, Kawhi Leonard pick and roll with Zoo. Pocket pass. Nice, confident left-hand finish by Zoo. And remember when I said, or I always say, I, it's all about Zoo's body language. How aggressive is he going up? How hard is he contesting? How often is he not putting a hand up? All these things, you can see which zoo you're getting. And this game was confident zoo. And again, that's not just on zoo. That's on the teammates to empower him. James Harden is definitely going to make his life easier being the best pick and roll player he's played with since Zubats has been a clipper. But you've got to look to get him the ball. And there was one time where we got him the ball in transition. I don't remember if it was in transition. I think it was just on a regular post-up. And he had a nice drop step over the right shoulder for a left-handed bank shot, jump hook. I mean, Zubats, I used to criticize that he had no left hand. And around, I want to say it was last year, he got the left hand more incorporated into his game around the basket. And the fact of the matter is, with James Harden, you're not going to see if it's a Zubats get many ISO post-ups. But I always say when he catches it deep enough, he's got a nice right-handed jump hook. And now, if you can start saying about saying it about the left hand, all he's got to do is be confident and go up strong and keep the ball high. But I doubt we're going to give Zubats the ball in those situations. But the thing is, you do that, and you get a better Zoo on the defensive end. You know, yeah, he looks great against San Antonio defensively, and I thought he was awesome tonight. But it's San Antonio. We got New Orleans on Friday. That's going to be a real test. But... PG thought he was really solid in the first and he wasn't doing too much. And that's one reason why you bring in a Westbrook or a Harden. The idea was don't make Paul George and Kawhi have to handle the ball so much and playmake and pick and roll so much every time down. You can have Paul George take some possessions off offensively and still be effective as a floor spacer. And then you still have him incorporated heavy duty when Russ comes in with that second unit and Paul George and Russ play together and Harden and Kawhi play together as part of that big four stagger that we're doing with this Clipper super team. It's unbelievable, guys. Don't, trust me, I am in awe seeing James Harden in a Clipper jersey. This is not normal. This is not real. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George have played 13 straight games to start the season. That's the most they've played to start uh, consecutively in any regular season that the Clippers have played since they've become Clippers or that they've played since they've become Clippers. I mean, what is happening? I'm, I'm still knocking, fellas. I'm still knocking on that wood. <laughs> but PG had two threes in the first quarter, including a deep one where they went under the screen, like behind the three-point line still. <laughs> and Paul just launched it from like 28 feet, drained it. And the again, you had Russ and Harden. This has been consistent every game, even since we've made the change. Russ and Harden still sharing minutes on the court together to end the first quarter. Or first before Harden comes out of the game around the end of the first quarter. But I will say Daniel Tice playing with Harden and Russ makes things a little easier because he can pick and pop a little bit. And he's a little bit more comfortable with that 8-foot, 10-foot push shot in the pick and roll. So having him as 
even a threat to space the floor will make it less you know will make it less difficult for Harden and Russ to share the floor. I still am not a fan of it though at all, especially on a defense on the defensive side of things. But the Clippers were up 24 to 14 after the first quarter, 26 to 14 after the first quarter. Second quarter, Russ and Paul George minutes and it's so funny because the intro to Russ was very similar in this game as it was in the last game. He catches the ball twice off of the ball uh, with Harden in the game. And actually, no, the first one, he just shot the ball off a pass. And then there was another time where he brought the ball up because he hadn't touched the ball more than once. And he just went for a straight look to score without passing once and missed. So he started 0 for 2. So I didn't like that. And then when Harden goes to the bench, you start seeing what Russ can do. And getting downhill in transition and drawing two defenders and then kicking to the trail man. He found Daniel Tice on that several times in this game. And you can already start to see Daniel Tice and Russell Westbrook starting to build that connection. And Tice being able to shoot those shots that Steven Adams was really comfortable hitting in Oklahoma City from that six foot, eight foot range just going up strong. Zoo is better with that jump hook, but that one-handed push shot uh, is not as strong with Zoo as it is Daniel Tice. And, you know, Mason Plumley, he's a little better at that too, but I don't think he's very convincing with it either. So, again, the more games that are going to go on, the more the case for Daniel Tice to become a permanent part of this rotation is going to be a thing. And, and Norman Powell, he had a short-lived experience in this game, which is unfortunate. He only played 14 minutes and he went out with a groin injury, and it's been a lingering one. And I can tell you right now, I can relate because I've had a lingering groin injury myself that I got from literally just trying to turn on the Jets without stretching. And now, I'm, yeah, I'm 25 years old, but I'm at that age apparently now where I definitely got to stretch before I touch the floor and start going full speed. So, Norm, I know how you're feeling. Wish you well. Wish you the best speedy recovery because we need you. I know how much that groin can linger. He had five points. In those 14 minutes, two for four shooting, one for one from deep. And I'm pretty sure it was a four-point play that he had. And he missed the free throw. So, again, Norman Powell, these two games in San Antonio, getting fouled from the three-point line. But Russ was doing some solid things, driving and kicking. You know, even though he missed those first couple of shots, driving and kicking, he had a mid-range. And PG, he was so aggressive in those minutes. You know, looking to get to his bag one-on-one, working quickly off the catch, coming off screens. And... He had four threes in the first half, and you could clearly tell that it seemed like the coaching staff or the analytic team or whatever it is was encouraging Paul George to shoot threes. This happens every year where we have Paul George shooting such a solid percentage from three, and they're like, just jack him up, you know, the math. But then Paul George just becomes way too three-point contested shot heavy, and I don't like it. And I don't think it's actually good for him. I think part of the reason why the Clippers in the 2-1-3 era have shot well from three, like percentage-wise, is because they take the right ones and they don't force it because they have two mid-range killers. Okay, you like to see them shoot some threes a little bit more, but I want I want the basket. I want it to go in at the end of the day. And I think it's bad basketball when you fall too in love with the three ball, which I know is not a popular take in 2023. But, you know, I'm a little bit more old school. The Clips were up 45-28 at one point of that first half. We were rolling on all cylinders, but still turning the ball over too much. And the Spurs went on a little 5-0 run after we went up by 17, partially because Paul George 
Got his pocket pass intercepted on a live ball turnover. And the Spurs started to hit shots. Jetty Osman, Devin Vassell. I counted seven points that Devin Vassell, I'm sorry, five points that he scored on James Harden alone in the second quarter. One where Harden switched onto him on a closeout. Vassell blew by him and scored. Then there was another one where he was one-on-one with him. Got to his left, got an one. And then, in total, I counted seven points that you could attribute. So James Harden, first quarter, defense was fine. Tried. Second quarter, terrible. Uh, I counted seven points that were you could fault to Harden in that second quarter defensively. There was one really poor... Not, you know, not I wouldn't even say a poor rotation, but James Harden rotating under the basket, I've mentioned this already, it's non-existent. You know, even if he's there, he's literally sitting under the basket. It's like not a real rotation. He might get an occasional strip, but nobody's afraid of him. He doesn't jump. It's it's nothing. And he's late because he's not very invested when he's off the ball defensively. He's trying, though. I have to say, he hasn't been like a liability or anything. So... But I did count seven points, and I'm keeping a fucking eye on Plumber Jim and his defense with my team. You're not getting away with it, brother. <laughs> Russell Westbrook, that's one thing he does much better than Harden. Harden much better offensively, especially in the half court. But Russ's rotations at the rim are sharper, quicker, and he gets steals, sometimes blocks. He's athletic as hell. There was even one time later in this game where Harden got blown by by Vassell, and Westbrook contested at the rim and got a foul. But if it wasn't, weren't for Russ, that would have been another two points. So the Spurs started getting back in the game because the Clippers also kept them in the game with too many turnovers. 11 in the first half. Terrence Mann threw a lolly, lolly, dolly. What, what was, you know, they used to call it lollipop passes sometimes where I played. Ridiculous. Just real float passes to the sky. It was, it was just naive how much airtime it had. And then, um, what was another? Norman Powell live ball turnover just at half court damn near. So everybody was turning the ball over. Harden, Russ. Russ had two passes in transition where I just thought he was like, no, like who, like, I'm sorry. I know you're Russell Westbrook, but like, I don't even know if Magic or LeBron or like Jason Kidd could make those passes. They just, the windows just were too tight. And it was just, he, he ignored the, the easier pass. So Harden, Russ, it was not like last game where they were 16 assists, zero turnovers. This game, we had 16 turnovers as a team, and James Harden and Russell Westbrook had four each. I called Russ, J, uh, Paul George and Westbrook the turnover brothers. Now we have the, the turnover brothers just got another brother because we're going to have turnovers. They got to take care of the ball. And Terrence, man, as far as you know, his offense is concerned, I've mentioned that he's been very hesitant with his offense, not looking good, shooting the ball. Well, he was more aggressive attacking closeouts in this game, which you like. Got to the line a couple times because of it, but he was only 2 for 4 from the line. He was 0 for 3 from deep, so he is still not shooting well from 3, and it's gotten in his head, but I will say he had a couple of good misses that were right on line, so I think he'll start to make them. Just keep on firing, T. Keep on firing. Defensively, though, exceptional. Pretty exceptional. You know, just so invested on that end of the floor. Is he flawless on it? No. He's going to make some mistakes, some lapses in concentration, sometimes trying too hard. But he's going to fight and chase over screens. He's going to fight and chase over screens. He's going to contest shots. He had a lot of good shot contests in this game. Clippers actually lost the second quarter, 34-28. to They were up 56-48 to at the half. 
I'm sorry, 54 to 48 at the half. And as far as PJ Tucker, I thought it's just it's just a tale of two ends for him. Defensively, I thought in this game he was really good. Had a moment guarding Wemby where he just clamped him. But offensively, he offers nothing. And now he's even starting to de- decline the open catch-and-shoot three in the corner, which is like, okay, if you're not going to do that, the occasional offensive rebound may not be enough to keep you on the floor, bro. Sorry. But 11 turnovers in the first half are the reason that the Spurs were still in the game. And that's everybody. No, no single guy. I mentioned all of them. But before... Halftime. Something really crazy happened. So as a part-time public address announcer, it's very rare for any person that's involved in the game to want to take the mic. The only time I saw a coach take the mic of a public address announcer in my life in the NBA was actually the Clippers. And it was Glenn Rivers at the end of a game that the Clippers had won in the 2018-19 season. And he said, let's give it up for Dirk Nowitzki. And I honestly thought that was a really classy move by Glenn. Because Dirk, I could go on all day about him. But this was insane. As everybody knows, Kawhi Leonard gets booed on every touch when he returns to San Antonio because of the ugly exit that he had And they hold that bitterness as a fan base against him still. And when I say ugly exit, I'm referring to the conflicting medical reports that were involved in his injury in the 2017-18 season. Players calling him out about that they had worse injuries. I remember there was so much controversy about it. And it seems like Spurs fans basically think that he quit on them or that he refused to play. And that was a big topic of discussion back then. So, clearly, they still feel some type of way about it. Greg Popovich goes to the public address announcer and says, can we stop the booing of these players? And it was while Kawhi was at the line. He said, we have more class than that. We're better than that. Let's cheer on this amazing game or something along those lines. And he still got booed by the Spurs fans. Let me just say I appreciate Greg Popovich for doing that and uh, having Kawhi's back for his contribution to the Spurs. Of course, he was drafted by the Pacers in 2011 and then traded for George Hill. So went to the Spurs. Spent seven years there. He's spent now, this is his fifth year with the Clippers, so it's still his longest time with any team. He won a championship there, helped lift a banner, was their franchise player, and was a finals MVP. And he gets booed because of the ugly exit. You know, Growing up in Lakerland, I always thought this, their policy was, if you win a title for us, you're love forever. And for all my teams that have won titles, the Kings, the Rams, Chelsea, I love all the guys that have helped win them, except for one person, Thibaut Courtois. And that's because he badmouthed the club and said ridiculous things on the way out. Kawhi Leonard hasn't necessarily said that about San Antonio. I, I think it's very harsh that the fans boo him. But... I got to think about where they're coming from. I don't know all the details of how what their experience was as a fan base going through that. What stuff they know that I may not know. I wasn't following them on a day-to-day basis. I was following the situation as, a, as an NBA fan that's really invested in the league. But not as a Spurs fan on a day-to-day basis. And mind you, 
Tim Duncan, David Robinson, Manu Ginobili, and Tony Parker. I know Tony Parker had that bullshit stint with the Hornets at the end, but they all were Spurs for life. And I always thought Kawhi Leonard was headed for that trajectory because why do you leave the Spurs? They're a winning organization. They have the best coach. And they'll always surround him. If they have that main guy, they'll find a way to surround him with good players. And Kawhi dipped on the Spurs. And no one really did that. No one really questioned them as an organization in this pop R.C. Buford period. So at the end of the day, do I think it's harsh that Spurs fans boo him? Yes. But I also cannot speak for them. And Greg Popovich, I get, I get it, what he's trying to do. But he has no place to speak for the Spurs fans that pay their good money to go to the games and have every right to feel how they feel. That's I think that was a little ridiculous. This is not the YMCA. This is not the Park League. You cannot. This is NBA. These people paid their money, and they. I get it. He won a championship. That's the only reason he did that is because he won a championship. But they have every right to feel how they feel. And if that many fans are booing every time he's there, then that's something that I need to, you know, I need to figure. I need to see their side of things for real. And you know what? In the years leading up to this one. Have I not had my complaints about the shady situation with Kawhi's medical staff and what we're hearing and the medical staff, this and that? Yeah, we have. So I, I'm not going to be totally uh, ignorant to that. So it's not Greg Popovich's place to speak on that to, to the fans like that, in my opinion. In my opinion. Yeah, it was nice for him to stick up for our guy because like, he's our guy now. But nah, bro. This ain't the YMCA. Anyway, let's talk about the second half. Kawhi was so aggressive. It felt like even that, that may have motivated him because they started booing him louder. I actually liked that the Spurs fans did that. They started booing him louder. So they fed him the ball in the mid-post the first time against Sohan. He scored seven straight points on Sohan in the third quarter. Spun to the basket for a dunk. Hit a three in his face. Had that up and under step through. I mean, he was cooking. He was cooking. He had 13 points in the third Paul, by the way, second half, not very good defensively. Got scored on twice by Wemby, one where Wemby cut the ball on the block. And again, I talked about that in the last live. Wemby needs to try to find a way, and the Spurs need to try to find a way to get Wemby to catch the ball closer to the basket. That's also on Wemby, also on the Spurs. Fight for position a little bit harder, but also try to get him in more rolling situations as a screener, and you started to see that. I think they don't want to wear, wear him down by making him set too many screens, but come on. He's seven foot four. Like, get him rolling to the basket. It's hell for defenses, and it's going to get a lot of open shots because his rolling gravity, as you'd say in today's vernacular, is going to pull people to the basket from those corners. So it's going to get open shots for guys like Keldon Johnson and Vassell. And yeah. But the Spurs, so they were hanging in there. Hanging in there. No Norman Powell for the second half, by the way, Clipper Nation. But the Clips restored order, and James Harden had seven assists in the third. Some of them were, you know, throw the ball to Kawhi, and he's doing the work. But James Harden had a great distributing quarter in that third, making good reads in the pick and roll. Second straight game where he had an amazing outlet over the top for Kawhi from beyond half court. So those were really impressive passes. Great job by Kawhi sealing. And just his aggression in this game was just awesome. Just so much better since we took Westbrook out of the starting lineup. And that's not a Westbrook thing. Whether it was Harden that came out or Westbrook that came out, it was going to get Kawhi to be hooping again. So the moral of the story, ladies and gentlemen, is that even the best players to ever play this game, Kawhi, top 75, 
Rhythm matters. People are like, why did Kawhi needs to remember how to play basketball? Like that's it's not that simple, man. Rhythm matters. His aggression goes down. It's just not the same flow of shots and touches for a guy. So it happens even to the best of them. Now you take one of them out of the starting lineup and Kawhi's hooping. He was hooping before, before the trade, right? Exactly. So it's that simple. Kawhi was getting washed accusations. Oh my goodness. Even I was starting to question it for a bit. So, but I was ne- I, I did mention rhythm a lot. Zoo's defense in the third, really solid. As normal, Zoo drop coverage. You know how we do it. Contesting shots well and just being a presence down there, bailing guys out. You know, Terrence Mann, Kawhi Leonard, and Zoo really bail guys out defensively a lot. Especially now that we have Harden on the team. There's times where he gets blown by. There's some bad closeouts. And Kawhi just being oh, alert defensively. Like, if you really look at Kawhi, you can't say he doesn't communicate on defense. He's always pointing, always talking in transition. He, he has a defensive mindset. He enjoys it. He actually likes doing it. You can tell. Even when he's not guarding on ball, he's still much more attentive than other guys on the team. Paul George, for example, not as much. Very good on the ball, but it's all about how Paul George is feeling. Kawhi, I don't question his defensive effort and intensity a lot when he plays basketball. So I thought it was a worse second uh, half for Paul, especially because of his defense. So where were we going to go without Norman Powell? Were we going to go with Bones? No, we actually went with the brewmaster, Amir Coffey. First meaningful minutes of the season, and he absolutely killed it. Flying around on defense. There was a moment where he got a steal diving on the floor and had four points of his own. One where he attacked a closeout, and the other one in transition. The brewmaster. Why not give him more minutes? I mean, P.J. Tucker's not very good, so why not give him more minutes? The Russ Harden lineup didn't do that bad to end the third quarter. And Daniel Tice got two assists to James Harden on threes, open threes. Harden had not really, I think those were the, where's only two threes of the game. Let me check. Yeah, they were. He hadn't hit a three at that point. But Daniel Tice, he got one offensive rebound, kicked it out to Harden for a three. Then the other one, Russ, as I mentioned earlier, in transition, drew two defenders, kicked it out. Daniel Tice, extra pass to James Harden for three. So we will take... That, absolutely. And that third quarter, by the way, 18-2 run after that James Harden 3 for the Clips. And Terrence Mann was working his ass off. We can wait. That's the thing about Terrence Mann's offense. We can wait for how long it's going to take for him to be good again on offense. But you damn right. You know one thing for sure. He's going to be damn good on defense. He's going to give you his all. And it's amazing how much better he has made our defense and how much better Kawhi's looked on defense since Terrence has been inserted into the starting lineup. Because now he doesn't have to guard the number one and two options as much. It's great. It's absolutely great. And it's giving him more legs for the offense as well. That mixed with James Harden taking the ball away from him. And James Harden is going to have the ball even more than Russ was going to have the ball in terms of time of possession. If you, you know, pre-trade or post-trade. Tice active on the glass, but... His shot wasn't falling as much in this game. He was four for 11, didn't shoot a three. But man, 11 rebounds and five offensive rebounds for Tice. I mean, he has been fantastic. He hasn't lost a game on the Clippers. He undefeated. He undefeated. Eight points, 11 boards, and four assists, continuing to make good reads in the short roll and finding the open man. Daniel Tice, legend. Tice, Tice, baby. Wow. 
the German sensation, the world champion. Did that all in 20 minutes, by the way. Clippers won the third quarter 28-22, to but there would still be one more run by the Spurs after the Clippers went up 88-70. to Again, that P.G. Russ-Tice lineup, pretty solid. I thought Russ, outside of a couple of moments in transition where he was lazy getting back, was pretty solid defensively. Paul George, I liked how aggressive he was in the fourth, but he... He was taking too many threes for my liking. There were two or three that were just unnecessary, contested. He was four for 12 in the game on threes. So 33% and he shot eight for 23 overall. I don't like it. Too many threes. 12 of your 23 shots are threes and you only had four free throw attempts. I'm not a fan. I don't think he played badly. I think he still played well, but it's not good enough for me. Against better teams, that's not, that's not going to work. Russ had two assists in the beginning of the fourth to Tice in the pick and roll. Nice, solid bounce passes. Good finishes by Tice. And as I said, that, that chemistry is developing. We went up 96-78. And then PG allowed four straight points. And when I say allow, there was one in the transition where he just didn't make a play on anything. Didn't try to take a charge. Didn't try to make Sohan change directions. Um, and then the second one, he got beat back door by Keldon Johnson. So Paul George's attention to detail defensively was just not as sharp in the second half. Uh, he had this one interception, though where Wemby was going to get the ball down low on an entry pass. But Vassell, having a guy like that for San Antonio, made the difference, keeping him in the game with his shooting. Uh, the Spurs cut it to seven by just making shots, honestly. The Clips still, you know, for the half-court off uh, defense stats, no, they're, they're just, my eye test, they're not great defensively right now. They're good. There's still a lot of open shots the Spurs are getting and they weren't hitting. But they cut it to seven, 100 to 93, and part of the reason that was happening, Russ and Harden sharing the floor with Zoo. And, I mean, the spacing is not great with Russ and Zoo as is, but when you have Harden out there, he's going to have the ball. So that's more Russ and Zoo off the ball. And what I like when Russ is starting, or Russ is playing with that lineup, is quick hitters with Kawhi and Paul. You know, Russ throwing the ball and then quickly getting into an action or looking to attack occasional Russ pick and roll, having the ball in his hands in ways, passing and then going to the corner occasionally using Russ as the screener. So those kind of things. But with Harden's out there, you have Russ and Zoo kind of tucked in the corner on the block and it's just not good spacing. And even though we got some good looks in that period, we just went a little cold and that was part of the Spurs hitting, a, hitting us in transition for that little fake run. But coming off the timeout, Kawhi Leonard with about two and a half minutes left hit a turnaround I think it was against Keldon Johnson and that made me feel a little more comfortable though we had him I never really felt in danger to be honest Russ had a bullet pass and let me just say Russ one of his flaws as a passer is he just passes it too hard too fast like not every pass has to be thrown with such pace and I'm a fan of guys that throw with pace it's it's tough to throw accurate passes with pace but sometimes you need to just you know Put less on it, you know, less palm to fingertip ratio. But honestly, though, I can't even say that because his fingertips might be super strong. For me, I have to put some palm into my pass sometimes when it's with pace. But, you know, the more fingertips, the follow-throughs on passes, guys, is important for you young hoopers. or Not even young. The follow-through is not just for the shot. Passes as well. How soft and, and what way you point your fingers as you release the pass, your fingertips, that's important with the trajectory of your pass. Anyway, that turnover caused Russ to come out of the game for a sec for a little offense-defense. So Terrence came in, 
And Harden got a foul uh, late in the game to, to clinch the game with the free throw line off a PG offensive rebound. I want to say tip the offensive rebound. We got it. And then Russ and Harden had two big free throws each to end the game. So we got the job done. Oof, it wasn't pretty, though. Way too many turnovers. I thought Zudo was really solid. Daniel Tice, really solid. Harden, pretty good. Russell Westbrook, pretty good. PG, good. And Kawhi, excellent. Player of the game, no doubt in my mind. The Spurs just aren't that great, but you have to give them credit. Defensively, they competed. So let's read the lines for the clips in this game. Way too many turnovers. 16 of them. Spurs had 14. They weren't perfect themselves. Points in the paint was a dead even draw. Clippers actually had more fast break points than them, 25 to 17. The Spurs never led in this game, so you got to love a wire-to-wire victory. 18-point lead was the highest for the Clips, as I mentioned. We shot 46%. They shot 38.5%. Clippers shot 9 for 28 from 3, so not very good at all, 32%. They shot 29%. Just another bad shooting game for the Spurs. But they did shoot well from the foul line. 21 for 23. So 91%. Clippers shooting 22 for 29. 76%. So not great. Rebounding battle. 50 to 44 in favor of the Clips. Like to see that. The Spurs outscored the Clips 32-27 in the fourth. And the Clips win it 109 to 102 to make it three straight wins. And 3-0 with the new starting lineup. Of James Harden, Zoo, PG, Kawhi, and T-Man. And it's great to see Terrence Mann finally starting. Let's read the lines for the clips. The Brewmaster, 10 minutes, 4 points, 3 boards, and a steal on 2 for 3 shooting. He's only missed being a 3. Absolutely awesome. Plus 8 for Amir Coffee. So let's get some coffee mug emojis in the chat right now, ladies and gentlemen, for the Brewmaster. One of the only players the Clippers have drafted, and I would love to see him get some more rotation minutes. Can he take PJ's minutes? Will we be too thin in the front court? Let me know in the comments because I think we might. Uh, worth a try. PJ Tucker, 13 minutes, another donut. He's got more donuts than Krispy Kreme right now. Uh, didn't even get a shot up. One rebound. It was an offensive rebound and a turnover, but his defense was good. He was a plus nine. But against better teams, we won't get away with PJ Tucker. Daniel Tice, 8 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists. Only one turnover for him, and it was on an illegal screen. 4 for 11 from the field. I mean, he's got to just make more shots. He had one mid-range he missed, I remember, from the foul line, but excellent so far. Just, just, just amazing how he found him. And then there's, I already talked about Norman Powell. Terrence Mann, 6 points, 2 rebounds, an assist, 2 steals, and a block. Just one turnover on that really bad lollipop law pass. He was 2 for 5 from the field, 0 for 3 from deep. So 2 for 2 from 2. Very solid performance from Terrence. Want to see the offense just get more confident. That's going to come with him making open shots and not hesitating. When he starts making them, he won't hesitate anymore. But Terrence on defense, he's always going to bring good things to the table. If it's a Zubats, another solid game from him. 12 points, 8 boards. Five for seven from the field. Two for two from the line. Yes, sir, Zoo. In 26 minutes. I'll take that all day. Contesting shots. Being more aggressive. Harden hit him with a beautiful uh, behind-the-back bounce pass in the third quarter on the pick-and-roll. And he had an emphatic slam. And I love that. 
when he dunks with authority. James Harden, 16 points, 6 boards, 9 assists, 1 steal and 1 block, 4 turnovers though, has got to limit those. Defense, not great, but passable. Good performance overall from James. Mr. 13 Strippers is doing okay so far in that third man role, and he's sacrificing his stats. Only 16 points, only 7 shot attempts for James. 3 for 7. Still has the ball in his hands a ton though. So, I mean... That's what he wants more than anything. Two for four from three. Eight for 12 from the line. That's not good enough, by the way. 66% from the line for him is not good enough. 36 minutes of play. I can't believe I have this foul baiter on my squad, but he's helping right now. And then Paul George. 24 points, eight rebounds, three assists, two steals, two turnovers, though. Eight for 23 from the field and four for 12 from deep. Four for four from the line, plus seven. Solid, liked it from P. I still think he's been our best player this season through 13 games. But I don't like how many threes he shot. Other than that, and defensively second half, not great. Other than that, pretty solid. Kawhi Leonard, second straight game where he has shot more than 16 shots. Or second game since the Harden trade, I should say, that he shot more than 16 shots. 26 points. Four rebounds, four assists, two steals, only one turnover, 10 for 17 from the field, two for six from three, four for four from the line. So I like that. Okay, he's only shooting 33% from three, didn't overdo it, getting to his mid-range, 10 for 17, efficient as hell, 26 points, we'll take it all day. Wemby, 22 points, 15 rebounds, three assists, and a steal. One thing I also want to say, when the Clippers go to having... Russ and Harden in together. So that's part of why they came back. It's not just the offense. Defensively, the rotations, a lot of times you have Harden and Westbrook rotating on bigger guys. It's not just the point of attack. So you get in trouble. 22 points, 15 rebounds, three assists, one steal, and three blocks for Wemby. So he actually played pretty well. Seven for 13 from the field and one for two from three. And seven for seven from the line. Jeremy Sohan started hitting some threes towards the end of the game or should I say in the fourth quarter, 19 points, five rebounds, and seven assists for him on six for 15 shooting and two for five from three and five for six from the line with his one-handed one-handed free throws. He had a good game, 16 points, but Terrence was clamping him in the beginning. 16 points, nine rebounds, three assists for Zach Collins on six for 13 shooting and two for five from three. And then Vassell had 18 points, four rebounds and four assists off the bench. On six for seven, on six for fifteen shooting, but the Spurs, I like Vassell in that starting lineup over Malachi Branham. He gave him a donut on zero for six shooting, so I think it was just that Vassell was coming back from injury. But yeah, solid win for the Clips. We'll take it all day. Three straight wins, and now New Orleans on Friday. That's going to be a test. No CJ McCollum though. I'll be there. You'll get a vlog, so it'll be exciting. Now let's talk about the Lakers. By the way, Clip. So Clippers building good habits. Let's talk Lakers. But before we talk Lakers, going to read some of the comments. Sorry, Westbrook fans. I'm sorry. I forgot to mention Russ's stat line. He had 8.6 rebounds, 7 assists, and 2 steals on 3 for 8 shooting. So, again, a little bit too fast in transition at times. Missed a couple of shots around the rim. But you'll take the 6 rebounds and 7 assists off the bench and 2 steals. Uh, 4 turnovers is too much, though. All right. Let's talk about the Lakers. This game against the Dallas Mavericks. Um, obviously, I've watched a couple of Mavs games this year. I'm keeping an eye on them. 
but I haven't watched too many other full games and too many other games recently. I've kind of gotten the gist of what they are after they smacked the shit out of my Clippers. And this was the first game against the Lakers this season, and the games that Dallas has played against the Lakers uh, at Staples Center the last two years have been electric, including, of course, last year where Maxi Kleba made the game winner and then Luka had that overtime takeover. So tonight was like no different. Amazing game. And it was Dallas that threw the first punch. But in the first quarter, so I'm going to go, I'm going to really go in order in depth for this one, Laker fans. But in the, so Max Christie was starting in place of Reddish. He was out with the, I think it was the groin injury as well for him too, right? Either groin or hamstring. And he was guarding Kyrie Irving. Torian Prince was guarding Luka. LeBron matching up with Grant Williams, who got into it right away, by the way. Grant Williams got a foul right away, getting into LeBron's uh, path walking. And had a little scuffle within 20 seconds of the game. AD, of course, matched up with Derek Lively, who, again, really sad that he got injured. Wish him well, because he was killing. But game started with some solid stuff out of D'Lo, AD, pick and roll on the Lakers side and out of the on the Mavs side. They spammed, and I mean spammed, Luka double drag, which is you have two guys setting the screens back to back. One rolls, one pops out. Derek Lively was the roller, and a lot of times Kyrie Irving popping out. And the thing about Luka is his misdirection and his cross-court passing ability is on par with LeBron James in my eyes. And he created so many good shots because the Lakers were blitzing him on the on every ball screen with AD. So they were blitzing to try to get the ball out of his hands, and he was picking them apart. And as I said it when the Mavs played the Clippers, they have a different threat this season, and that's that Derek Jones and Grant Williams have shot the ball well so far this season. I mean, I don't have the stats in front of me. Let's let's check them out because I don't want to sound not informed. Grant Williams is shooting 47% from three this season. That's ridiculous. His quality of shots definitely going to be high with Luka. And then Derek Jones Jr. is shooting 36% from three. So that's fantastic. So having those two guys and then Kyrie Irving, when you get three two guys thrown at the ball to make plays in four-on-three situations or get the ball swung to him potentially, like he can make plays. You know, Kyrie Irving can beat your defense when it's set and he's one on five. But on a given possession, I mean, not not over the course of a whole game, but on a given possession. Now you have him in, against defenses in rotation more often, scrambling defenses. You know, it's going to get easier for him. So Kyrie Irving and Luka were showing their class right away. Luka making a bunch of good reads. Kyrie Irving hitting shots from everywhere on the court. LeBron, slow start for him. Missed a couple of shots around the basket in the first half. No one else was really hitting shots for the Lakers. But I will say, Anthony Davis had a great first half. It was a tale of two halves for him. He almost had a double-double in the first half. Rolling to the basket well. Finishing strong. But one thing I've noticed about the Mavs this season is that they're looking to push pace more than they ever have in the Luka era. They're looking to get out and get some transition threes. With Tim Hardaway Jr., Kyrie, Luka. And if Grant Williams and Derrick Jones are open, let him fly, fire it. Derrick Jones is an amazing athlete, so getting him the ball in transition only helps him. And then Kyrie Irving in open space is fantastic as well. So Luka's looking to play with a little more pace. There was one possession where he got the ball across half court in two seconds. That's not like the Luka of the past. 
and looking to pass and throw the ball ahead right off the rebound. So definitely a different emphasis from the Mavs this season, and the defense is better. And speaking of a guy whose defense was better, Luka. I was impressed. I was with his off-ball defense. And on-ball, he was doing well on Hachimura, but Hachimura's not necessarily the guy that Luka's going to get killed by because he's very similar body type to Luka, so he's not going to get really blown by that much. But he had some really nice moments of anticipation off the ball where he got interceptions or deflections. There were 10 lead changes in the first quarter alone, and one of the problems I was already seeing for the Lakers was the rebounding, and that would be a consistent theme throughout the game. The second chance opportunities by the Mavs. Offensive rebounds, they had 11 to the Lakers, 9. And it was a problem. It really was. And part of that's because they were throwing two at the ball with Luka and their defense is constantly scrambling. They have cross matches going on. And those shots, those rebounds are falling to Mavs players. But also, it's not just because they're in rotation and they're throwing two at the ball. There were some that were just... The Mavs wanted it more and were had more energy because the Lakers are playing on a back-to-back. Let's be real. They are. But D'Angelo Russell, there's too many incidents where he's at fault for those. And I'm starting to see one of D'Lo's major flaws as a player. I already knew it, but I'm just seeing more of it because I get to watch him every night. He doesn't do any of the little things that help you win games in terms of intangibles on without the ball in his hands. He's trying harder this season, but his defense is not particularly he doesn't have the, the mind or appetite for defense, as, I've, as I say so often. He's frequently lost off the ball. There's no second effort a lot of times. He gets beat back door here and there, like more frequently than other players. And he doesn't make the run for the loose ball on an offensive rebound. He doesn't, not, he doesn't box out. So those little things are going to hurt him. And if, if he wants to stay on the floor late in games, These tendencies are going to hurt him. But offensively, I thought he was pretty good. He was getting really solid stuff in pick and roll with Anthony Davis throughout the game in terms of just shot quality. But the Lakers just weren't rebounding well enough. And Derek Lively, they're saying that he's working with Tyson Chandler. I can see a lot of Tyson Chandler in his game. Offensive rebounds, great rim runner. And that's another reason they want to push pace because he is really running the floor well. Mavs were switching two through four in their second unit defensively. So like Josh Green, Tim Hardaway, um, Dante Exum. These guys were very comfortable switching onto LeBron's and uh, Rui Hachimura's, Christian Woods. And Tim Hardaway, when he came in, he was hitting. And he is shooting 41% from three this season and averaging 18 points. So he's hooping off the bench. Maybe a six-man-of-the-year candidate down the line. And that's a perfect role for him. Just come in and get buckets. You're not a good defender. Just come in and get buckets. If, if he's been playing good defense this season, Mavs fans, let me know. But he was hitting he hit a couple of threes in this game. Let's see how many threes he hit. Two of them. Only two. Two for eight. Two for ten from the uh, overall. Seven points. So not a, not a great game for Tim Hardaway Jr. He was plus 11 when he was in, though. So his floor, his threat of just being out there, spacing the floor, definitely contributed, but didn't shoot well. Mavs led 29-25 after one. The Lakers, again, just like we've seen recently, no AD or LeBron in the last two and a half minutes of the first quarter. And it wasn't great. Kyrie Irving and Luka obviously going to stagger, and Kyrie was cooking. (laughs) 
and like Max Christie was doing a really solid job in my opinion. Like he was fighting over screens, really solid screen navigation overall. But Kyrie is just so good. It looks his balance is unbelievable. Like you think he's gonna lose the ball, and but he still has it on a string. Truly a spectacular player that people were just kind of forgetting how good he was, and were so quick to, you know, kind of write off as like, oh, this is just a guaranteed bad fit. But we saw Kyrie work per- perfectly fine with LeBron. He's got to put enough defensive personnel around him. And that's what you're starting to see now from Dallas, who's a very serious team in my opinion. They're, I talked about on the four sportsmen. They're my most surprising team so far. Second quarter for me. The non-AD minutes were atrocious. Bad. Not rebounding. Not defending well. Kyrie was in total command of the game in the second quarter. And somebody who came in and had a season high for the Mavs, Josh Green. Defending well, defending a number of guys, running the floor well, helping create turnovers, and knocking down the open three. And you need that's exactly what you need him to do. Now that he's going to the bench, because last year when, after the trade, you were kind of asking him to do what you're asking Grant Williams to do. Guard the best players on the other team, make threes every night, do all that. But off the bench, pressure's off a little bit, lesser role. He had a fantastic game. And LeBron, just not having a... I don't think he played well till the fourth quarter. Defensively, he was actually solid. I thought he was pretty on top of his rotations. The Mavs weren't really putting him in the pick and roll much because Grant Williams is just used as a corner spacer so LeBron can kind of rest on the block. And they were giving the Lakers were giving up the corner three. They're not giving up the, the lob to Derek Lively and Luka, so they're giving up the corner three. LeBron had two live ball turnovers, though, in that second quarter. And one of them was a careless outlet over the top that was intercepted by Tim Hardaway Jr., and these turnovers and the second chance points, Mavs were punishing the Lakers. They had 10 threes in the first half, the Mavs. 10 for 25 from three, first half. And they led at one point 58-44. The Laker role players, I don't think you, they gave them good enough shooting the ball. And when, I don't mean Austin Reeves and D'Lo when I say that. I'm talking about outside of those four. Rui Hachimura was 4 for 11. The thing about Rui is his ISO package, he's not really quick and has no real wiggle to his game. He, he can still create space. He's strong. He has good post game. But when he's facing up, he's not creating too much space. He's relying on his size. And when he's going against Luka, he wasn't really creating – he was creating some separation, but he was not getting too clean of looks. And the thing with Rui is I think sometimes when he goes one-on-one and gets locked up, He'll just end up shooting instead of, you know, because it looks bad, right, when when you try to ISO on someone and you're getting locked up and you don't end up shooting. Like, at least take the contested shot because you're not going to do all that dribbling just to pass. But sometimes you just need to have the pride to uh, – or suck up your – swallow up your pride, I should say. Just say, you know, I'm getting clamped. Let me just move the ball because there's plenty of time left on the shot clock. So I think Rui can do that a little bit more, and it can help him have more efficient games. He was 4 for 11 in this game, 1 for 2 from 3, had 9 points and 3 rebounds. I don't think he was great, personally. Rui was struggling on both ends, by the way, because he was guarding Luka in the second quarter, and, I mean, that was never going to end well. And it just kept on being Luka double drag, Luka double drag. The Mavs, by the way, this was an interesting wrinkle. They were switching their five-man onto LeBron. That was also contributing to LeBron not driving much. Rashawn Holmes and Derek Lively, they were both switching on him. And, honestly, I I, I would do that, because right now LeBron... He's looked quicker to start this season, 
But if you have a mobile enough big, you, you should switch on to him. It just depends who is the one that that they're putting in the pick and roll as, in terms of the point of attack. Because can they guard who Rashawn Holmes was guarding or who Lively was guarding? That's that's the thing. Like Kyrie was hedging on LeBron throughout the game. He wasn't going to switch on LeBron. Grant Williams, Derek Jones, those guys are going to switch on LeBron. Luka at times. I'm surprised they didn't put Luka more in the pick and roll, but that's because Luka's guarding Torian Prince. So they use him as a spacer, just like they're using Grant Williams as a spacer. So the chess match is on. Um, so yeah, LeBron, not a great first half for him. Lakers were not rebounding. They were down 62-46 at the half because the Mavs obviously also shooting better, playing at a better pace, playing better defense. And their two-star players just doing better. But AD was good in the first half, I think. He had like 10-7. and seven. By the way, the Lakers were conceding switches with D'Lo and Kyrie, and they were not ending well. Not a very good defensive game from D'Lo, in my opinion. Third quarter, Kyrie continued to cook. Continued to cook, but the Lakers started stringing together stops, and I think it just came from more ball pressure, more attention to detail, and the Mavs just cooling down just a bit. In the second half, they hit six threes. So compared to 10, that's definitely less. <laughs> Do the blatantly obvious math. But... The Lakers started making some adjustments. And that's that instead of blitzing the pick and roll with Anthony Davis on Luka, they started switching the Prince AD action. So when Grant Williams, I'm sorry, when Lively was coming up to set the screen, AD would switch on to Luka. And AD is just such an exceptional defender. Just, in my opinion, the best in the league. And did a really solid job forcing some misses out of Luka. Then we had the Lively landing, which was unfortunate. I really hope he's okay because he was doing such a great job. Let's look at his stats before he left. 19 minutes. He had two points and 10 rebounds. Four of those offensive rebounds and three assists. So making good decisions in the roll, short roll. Derek Lively, get well soon, man. But as the Lakers started to get stops, they just couldn't score enough points. Just couldn't score enough points. And I thought one thing that Rashawn Holmes was doing when he came in the game was setting those Daniel Tice seal screens. So what I mean by that is he sets a screen and as the guard is weaving his way in the lane, he starts acting like he's going to box out, but he's also basically sealing and screening his man from coming or the guy that's guarding him from helping at the point of attack. So he got a couple of those with Luca where Luca just had you know red carpet to the rim and AD couldn't help because Rashawn Holmes was doing a good job sealing. So the Mavs are just rolling on all cylinders. And I thought the Lakers just looked slower. They were getting outworked. And LeBron just didn't really look like he had the legs. By the way, Mavs also confident enough to switch Luka onto Austin Reeves at times. And he was doing okay. The Lakers did not end the third quarter well with two offensive fouls late in it. I forget. Rui Hachimura ran, bulldozed Josh Green. And I think Anthony Davis at the end of the quarter. But I could be wrong on that one. The second offensive foul. The Mavericks, by the way, outscored the Lakers 33-21 in the second and 29-25 in the third. So they outscored the Lakers in three of the four quarters. The only quarter, obviously, that the Lakers outscored them was in the fourth. And uh, again, it was kind of similar to the Kings game, but it was even more of a furious comeback for the Lakers. And it was led by two guys in particular, Austin Reeves and LeBron they went big with the like the Lakers have a lot of size. It's kind of the opposite of the Clippers right now. And it's funny because just last year was the opposite. Clippers had all these wings. Lakers had nothing at too many small guards. Now the Lakers have mobile bigs and some wings. 
And they're missing Vanderbilt still. Big lineups for both teams. For the Mavericks, a little smaller. It was Jaden Hardy as their smallest guy, alongside Tim Hardaway Jr., Luka Doncic, Josh Green, and Dwight Powell to start the fourth. For the Lakers, Reeves at the point. He's already a big point guard. Torian Prince at the two. He's a three. Then LeBron at the three. He plays the four now a lot in the NBA. And then Rui and uh, I almost said Chuck Hayes. Shout out Chuck Hayes. Jackson Hayes. So And what the Lakers started doing was switching one through five, basically. Everybody was taking a crack at Luka, including Jackson Hayes. So there was really nobody you can really put in the pick and roll. I'm surprised they didn't try to put Reeves in the pick and roll more. But I forget who he was guarding at that time. He ended up guarding Kyrie a lot in the fourth, and he did a really solid job in the fourth Austin Reeves on him. Uh, the Mavs, by the way, switching everyone onto LeBron. Everyone. So what the Lakers are trying to do, though, was get Jackson Hayes onto Luka and then double from there and then scramble with more size. So when now, when you have your help and your rotations coming, you got Torian Prince, Austin Reeves. You don't have anybody really under 6'4". So you're seeing more size on those scrambles um, in help for the Lakers. So that was to run guys off the line. You just have guys that can cover more ground. And it was working. It was absolutely working. And the Mavs started going cold. And so Austin Reeves and LeBron started taking over. Reeves, it started with a deep three that he made on a LeBron pass. Then he got in the lane and got an and one. Prince, by the way, had a couple of buckets himself in the fourth. And he was really struggling to that point. Torian Prince, two for five from three and six for 10 in this game. And he was a plus 15, the highest of any Laker. Does that mean he was the player of the game for the Lakers? No, but he had 14.6 rebounds, two assists, was guarding Luka. He only turned the ball over once. I get it. He had one bad foul, and he makes some bonehead decisions, but he shot 60% from the field and 40 from three in this game in 37 minutes, and he has to guard Luka. I'm sorry, but I, th I thought he played fine, and he made a huge corner three, huge in the fourth, and I was shocked he made it because it was contested. Cuts the game to six with six minutes and 30 seconds left. So the switch everything strategy from the Lakers was really working. Jackson Hayes, you've seen that from the Lakers at times so far this season where they can switch some of, like there was that moment with Christian Wood against Kevin Durant earlier in the season. So you're starting to see that their bigs at times can switch on to certain guys and they can go switch one through five. And that's a huge luxury. Kyrie though, on the Mavs side, the Lakers, I knew it was coming. I was surprised they didn't do it earlier, but they started finally putting Kyrie Irving in the pick and roll. And Kyrie was trying hard not to switch. Sometimes they do rescreen. You know, they keep putting him in the pick and roll until he switched. But he would try to hedge and recover or show and recover. Then finally, you got Kyrie switched on to Braun. He had already hit a three. And he went right to the basket and scored with his left hand. And, and I have to say, Kyrie Irving's defense to start this season has been so solid. He's been working hard. I see him communicating on dead balls. I saw him picking up Austin Reeves and stealing the ball from him. I mean, it was just, I'm very impressed with Kyrie Irving so far. Very much so. LeBron, finally, in the fourth, we started seeing him switch on to Luka, by the way. They didn't put LeBron in the pick and roll throughout the game. But you expect him to switch on to Luka. And... The Lakers are just overall, there was a period where the Mavs were 0 for 11 before Luka had an amazing bucket against LeBron going to his left that he banked in. Such a great shot. And then LeBron in transition ran into Grant Williams who got wrapped him up like it was a football tackle. And it looked like LeBron was hurt for a sec. It was kind of hobbling. 
missed both free throws, and you thought, man, maybe LeBron's out of gas. Because I thought LeBron was out of gas going into the fourth. Then he started going again. He hits a three, another three. He had three threes in the fourth. This one on the left wing after he had gone down. And I was like, oh, my God, is LeBron about to pull this out? Him and Reeves. Torian Prince doing his thing, playing solid defense. And then they put D'Lo in for Jackson Hayes. I want to see at what moment this came in. By the way, Anthony Davis offensively not really involved here. You know, sending some screens, but they're not really going to him. However, you know, AD still got some chances in the pick and roll at the foul line that he just kind of fades away a little unnecessarily, and he doesn't hit. And what's hard is it's hard to make it, give it to a guy and force feed him when if he's not catching the ball around the block area, he's not that effective because his mid-range isn't good anymore. It's tough. That's the thing. And the crazy part is AD had 10 points in the first half, and he finished with 10 points. It's not the first time in my dime dropper tent career that I've had said that to you guys on a live about AD not scoring an entire half. I don't think that's the first time this season we've said that. But D'Lo came in. Let me check at what point he came in. So, yeah, the Mavs missed their first 11 shots. Of course, the huge reason is because the Lakers went switch everything, doubled, scrambled, did a great job, and had more size in. But the Mavs are just missing shots as well. But a good adjustment by him and the Lakers. D'Lo came in. At the 313 mark, Mavs are up 99-92. As I said, LeBron made that three. Kyrie Irving missed a three. I think it was against either D'Lo or Reeves. And then Torian Prince scored on a D'Lo pass, which made it a two-point game and caused the Lake uh, the Mavs to call time. It was 99-97. Austin Reeves tied the game at 99 with a floater. And then the Lakers took the lead on a LeBron James tip, which gave him 16 points in the fourth quarter. What a fourth quarter for the King after what was not a great game. You thought, I thought the Lakers were going to take it home. And then the last minute of the game was just insane. LeBron gets Kyrie Irving switched on to him and shoots a three for the dagger. Terrible decision. I don't care if you have no legs. I don't care if you're failing yourself. You're LeBron James. You take Kyrie Irving to at least the foul line. At least. Post him up. Get a double team. You know the double's going to come if you back him down, right? Aren't you the smartest player in NBA history? According to some? Please. Ridiculous. Taking that three. And it gets worse. On the following play. Luka Doncic gets at the foul line. Isn't even fully by his man, by Torian Prince. AD's getting ready to help. Austin Reeves is sagging off who? Kyrie Irving, one of the clutchest players in our league. And he makes him pay. And now the Lakers are down one. Down one. 102, 101. Then on the other end, same pick and roll. In my opinion, it looked like LeBron was gassed and wanted Reeves to go one-on-one because he had it going, and LeBron shot that three maybe because he was tired. He was working really hard in that fourth. He had played the whole quarter. He's old. Look at the standard we're holding him to. And Reeves gave it back to him because he had the mismatch. And LeBron, and this is this is a sign of someone that I, I think he was tired. I, think he, I don't think he wanted the ball. He made the wrong read, but it felt like the second he got Kyrie in the post, he threw the lob pass, and Luka 
and Rashawn Holmes were guarding AD at the rim. And they both got their hand on it, and it was a turnover. The cross-court pass to Torian Prince was the right one, but it just looked like he had wanted no part of that shot. He looked gassed. No excuses. He sold. He sold. Then Kyrie made the free throws, and then he got a chance to shoot the three again and then missed. So he totally sold. He got them back in the game, but he also messed up. I mean, I don't even want to, I'm not going to pile on LeBron because he's having an amazing season and he's doing unforeseen things at this age. But let me just say, in the clutch, he's still a little bit questionable sometimes. I have to say it just because it's on everyone's mind. Kobe would never. <laughs> but of course, you could say Kobe was not playing in year 21, period. So, of course, that's a good rebuttal. But I have a rebuttal to that, but it's not time for that. Let's read the lines. What a win for the Mavs. For the Lakers, I mean, look, let's talk about why they lost. Rebounds. Major effort thing, you know, you're on a back-to-back. You got to fight for the loose ball, man. You got to box out. Too many of those. D'Lo, I'm looking at you. I counted. He was the only player where I counted multiple times that he allowed it. Transition defense. Got to do a better job getting back. Got to. Can't just get run out of the gym by every fast team. You put yourselves in too big of a hole. You can't just play catch-up like that every time against young teams. Because they're going to come out and hit the Lakers in the mouth. This is the Staples Center. Celebrities are in the building. Half of the games that the Lakers play this season are on national TV. So the, the like the likeliness of it being on national TV when teams come to town, especially good ones, is high. Lakers need to be alert getting back. Because one thing you know about the Lakers is they're not a great three-point shooting team. So all their long misses could easily lead into transition for the opposing team. So they all need to get back. Because when they don't have half-court defense where AD saving everyone's ass, everyone needs to get back. Everyone. So... I don't think you panic if you're a Laker fan. It was just a bad ending. LeBron didn't play that well for the first three quarters. Let's be real. He didn't. In the fourth, he turned up until the end. And AD, I mean, only, you know, not scoring in the second half, that's unacceptable. You, As a coaching staff, you got to look to get on the ball more. But then there's the argument of we ran him in a bunch of pick and rolls. The reads were made. Sometimes he got shot. Sometimes he didn't. Were we still generating good enough shots? I think so, my opinion. AD... It's tough to give the ball to a guy as a go-to guy if he's not going to get deep enough post position and he's not going to hit the mid-range. Because it seems like when AD gets deep enough position, yes, he'll score. When he gets that two feet in the paint, he'll score. When he gets the ball in the block, he'll score. But anywhere further, it's looking a little sketch if he's not on the move attacking space. Any sort of space. That's the honest truth. And that makes it harder as a coaching staff, I will say. That's that. Those are my thoughts overall. I thought D'Lo and Reeves were fine. I thought Ham's adjustments in terms of like the switch, everything, in the fourth quarter, did did well. I don't think the loss is on Ham. I think it's on the players. Got to come out with better intensity. It's a back to back against a good team. Got to do a better job rebounding. And AD and LeBron should have been better or could have been. It's just tough. It's a back to back younger team. One hundred four to one hundred one is the score for the Mavs. They're now six and three on the road. Ten and five overall in the year. The Lakers, 9-7 on the season, 7-2 and two at home. So not a great record, but really good home record. That's not a great record, though. And AD and LeBron have been healthy. They've only missed one game each. Dallas, though, looking good. 6-3 and three on the road is very respectable. The fourth quarter was 30-13 to 13 in favor of the Lakers. 30-13. to 13. So you got to also give a shout-out to Dallas for you know going through what they went through. No lively, and they found a way to get the job done. Kyrie Irving, <laughs> clutch man, clutch, last five points, let's read the lines, for the team stats, 
Dallas only shot 40% in the game. Wow. And ended up only shooting 32% from three. 16 for 50. Oh, my God. That's a lot of threes. So they were almost they almost died by the three. Lakers shot 46%, 39 for 84. In the games, they got 12 less shot attempts, the Lakers. Rebounding. They shot 46% from the field and 38% from threes. They actually, they actually shot well from three, 11 for 29. So they shot better from the field, better from three, but they didn't shoot better from the foul line. Both teams made 12 free throws, but the Mavs shot 16, so they shot 75%. The Lakers shot 19, so they shot 63%, which is not good. Rebounding battle, the Lakers won it by three, even though they lost the offensive rebounding battle by two. And then turnovers, the Mavs did a great job of taking care of the ball. Only four turnovers in the game. Amazing. Lakers had 13, and there were 17 points scored off of those 13 turnovers. So there you go. The largest lead of the game for the Lakers was three. Largest for the Mavs was 20. So the Lakers almost came back to win, down by 20. They took the lead, but they could not pull it out. Let's read the lines. First for the Mavericks, since this is an L.A. channel. The Mavs went pretty deep into their bench. Seth Curry, by the way, is not in the rotation right now. They went 10 deep. Jaden Hardy played seven minutes. Didn't notice much from him. Two points, one of five, 0 for 1 from three in seven minutes. Dante Exum played nine minutes, had four points. Didn't have any other stat except for fouls. Two for five from the field, 0 for 2 from three. Was okay. I mean, I'm not looking at it from a Mavs fan perspective. So if you played good D, Mavs fans, you can tell me. But I didn't notice much from him. Dwight Powell played five minutes, had a donut. I, I think Rashawn Holmes and Lively are better than him, to be honest. I don't really notice much from Dwight Powell. It's crazy that he was a starting center on a conference finals team. That's a testament to how good Luka is, by the way. 22 minutes with Josh Green. Thought he was excellent. Playing good D, switching on to multiple guys, finishing in transition, and he knocked down the three ball. 15 points, three rebounds. That's his season high. He was plus 10 when he was on the court. 60% from the field, 6 for 10, and 50% from 3, 3 for 6 in 22 minutes. Awesome game from him. And then Rashawn Holmes, 4 points and 10 rebounds. Three of those offensive rebounds. He was one of those guys causing problems. And a block, no turnovers. Really solid game from him. Only shot two shots, made one of them. Was 2 for 4 from the line in 23 minutes of play. And then Tim Hardaway Jr. Played 30 minutes. Did not shoot well, as I mentioned earlier, just seven points. But he had three assists as well. So the Mavs got 11, 26, 30, 32 points off their bench. The starters, man, they actually only got 10 points from the starters outside of Kyrie and Luka. I already mentioned Lively's line, two points, 10 boards. Derek Jones Jr. had six points, two rebounds, and two blocks. No turnovers was two for four from the field, and all those shots were threes. So you'll take that. You'll take that all day. Played some solid defense. Only played 19 minutes, though. So they, they like to go with Hardaway more. Grant Williams played 32 minutes. I thought he was really solid just because of his defense, but he didn't shoot well. Six points, three rebounds, two dimes, and a block. Two for nine shooting, and all his shots were threes. And then the big, the big two. Kyrie Irving. 35 minutes played. 28 points. Six rebounds, two assists, two steals, two turnovers, 11 for 22 from the field and four for eight from three and two for two from the line. So shot 50% from the field and three, was scoring from everywhere on the court, corner, wing, top of the key, 
A lot of dribbles, not many dribbles. You name it, he can do it. I mean, he's got one of the most diverse scoring profiles of any player that's ever played, and he's a joy to watch. I'm not going to lie. Then there's Luca, who was the player of the game for me. Absolutely in control. Insane cross-court passing. That double drag is so hard to guard, and he is going to be destroying teams with it for years. 30 points, 12 rebounds, 8 assists, and he played solid defense in this game. 2 steals, 10 for 26 on the field. And 3 for 12 from 3. So that step back 3 was not going like that tonight. Not a great shooting night from him. Especially from 3. But 7 for 8 from the line. And the pressure he's going to put on your defense is insane. And he took care of the ball. How many turnovers did he have? Zero. Oh my god. That's incredible. The Lakers. They played 9 men. 9 man rotation. 11 minutes for Jackson Hayes. Thought he was really good actually. Moved his feet well. Was part of that switch everything scheme. A lot of energy he brings to the table. Had one foul that was called, I think, a little unfairly on a, on a verticality situation. You can make an argument that he kind of lunged forward just a bit. Two points, four rebounds for him. Made his only shot in 11 minutes. He was a plus seven. Christian Wood did not play much against his former team. Just one point and five rebounds, one assist. 0 for 1 in 15 minutes. They weren't even giving him the ball when he had smaller guys switched on to him. And he was a minus 15, which was... No, I mean, it's not very good, but I don't think he was that horrendous just because of that, personally. He wasn't very involved. Then you have Max Christie, who played 23 minutes, but he started. I thought his defense was good, but he can't guard Kyrie Irving. He was trying his best, though. Seven points, and he wasn't shooting well from three, so that kind of hurt them. Seven points, two rebounds, three for seven from the field, one for four from three. Didn't turn the ball over, though, which is good. Rui Hachimura played 26 minutes, 9 points, 3 rebounds, 4 for 11 from the field, 1 for 2 from 3. Don't think he was great either. D'Angelo Russell played less minutes than Hachimura, 24 minutes only, which honestly is a little bit questionable, but they made their run with him on the bench, so I don't know, I don't got much to say about that. Do you think D'Lo should have played more? Because he was actually playing well offensively. 15 points, 3 rebounds, 5 assists, 1 block, and 1 turnover for D'Lo. So 5 to 1 assist to turnover ratio you'll take all day. 5 for 11 from the field and 2 for 4 from 3 and 3 for 3 from the line. So solid game for D'Lo, in my opinion. Then there's Austin Reeves. Really good game from him. 9 points in the 4th, 17 in the game. Six rebounds, six assists, was doing well in pick and roll, doing well in the in-between game. Two turnovers, shot 50% from the field, seven for 14, but he did not shoot well from three, one for five. He shoots too many deep ones, in my opinion, but he made his only one. His only one, The only one he made was a really deep one, so you'll take that, I guess. But one for five from three isn't good. Two for three from the line for him in 31 minutes of play. Solid game, in my opinion, from Austin. And some solid possessions defensively on Kyrie. Torian Prince. I already mentioned his stat line. 37 minutes played. 14.6 boards on 60% shooting and 40% from three. Then AD. 10 points is just not going to cut it. Not against any good team. 10 points, 13 rebounds, 4 assists, a steal and a block. Defense is great, always. But shooting 40%, 4 for 10, only 10 shots. You're shooting as much as Torian Prince. You're shooting less than Reeves and Hachimura and Russell. It's not good enough. Then LeBron, don't think he was good enough either. 26 points, 9 rebounds, 7 assists. The stats, of course, always gonna look, are always going to look at LeBron. Three turnovers, including the crucial one at the end. 
Shot efficiently at the end of the game. Wow. he's a, The stats, the way he still finds a way to have a good stat line is crazy. 9 for 19 from the field. 4 for 9 from 3. 4 for 7 from the foul line in 36 minutes. Nothing to panic about, Laker fans. But it's a tough loss. It is. And you got to have better from your star players. You got to. But you, this team needs Vanderbilt back. It'll help defensively. But I don't know if the... I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if the Lakers are better than the Mavs. Because Luke is the best player. He is. Sorry, LeBron fans. He is, to me. And I think LeBron and AD are the next best. It would be a great series, to be honest. I think, I'd still take the Lakers as of now. I'm not going to change my pick. But it looked like the Mavs are better tonight. Let me know what you think. Now I'm done, guys. Uh, it's been an hour and 20 minutes. I've gone in so much depth. What do I want to say to end off? I just want to say happy holidays to all you guys. Um, I had a very serious situation happen to me recently. I got into my first like major car accident. Um, let's just say I wasn't smart, and it was a mixture of my, my car having an issue, and I didn't get it fixed, and I was naive about it, and I totaled my car. It could have been so much worse. I'm um, just really thankful that it, didn't, it wasn't as bad as it could have been, and I'm thankful that I didn't do anything stupid enough that something more serious would have happened and I would have ruined my family's Thanksgiving. So I'm thankful to talk to you guys another day, watch basketball another day, and I'm just thankful to being here. And it's also my 10th Thanksgiving without my grandpa, who was one of the closest people in my life. So yeah, it's definitely an emotional Thanksgiving for me. Um, and I'm really thankful for this platform, this family that I've built, these relationships that I've made through this channel. It's definitely a dream come true. And the fact that, you know, 60 people are listening to me on a 1 a.m. is on a, on a Thursday night or on a Wednesday night before Thanksgiving is uh, from around the world is, um, is very uh, it's tough to put it into words. So I'm really excited to see everybody on on Friday. Obviously, no live tomorrow night. It's Thanksgiving. So spend the time with your families. I really have uh, grown to love Thanksgiving because you always know what you're going to get. At least I always I always know what I'm going to get. Um, the one thing I'm very thankful for is that uh, I have an amazing family situation. You know, I've grown up with a lot of people that are just not as fortunate as me. And I come from, you know, two parents that are together and that have done so much for me, you know, giving me the opportunity to start this platform and you know, obviously I pay for everything and all, I do all the work, but you know, they've given me opportunities in life that, you know, it's stuff I'm not going to talk about on camera that allow me to do this. And it's past my parents too. It's just my overall base. So, and you guys are an extended family. There's no doubt. And I'm very thankful for that. So now to the live subscribers waiting patiently in the chat. Super chats are turned on if you want to jump a dollar or a dime. Have a great Thanksgiving, everybody, and stay safe.